0: Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast. We are going to do something special today. We're going to have a guest and kick off a month of guests, and we'll introduce our guest in a little bit. But before we do That, we, as always, have some thinklings business to tend to.
1: Books in business.
0: Books in business. Every time. Okay, so who wants to go first?
1: All right, I'll go first. Back in season one, I made this comment about how nobody likes to gift me books for Christmas because my life is books. And then I had two friends gift me books for Christmas. And one of them is the one that I'm going to share right now. Uh, It's Anne Frank, The Diary of a Young Girl. Thank you, Finkling's Stern Stearns. I am uh, interested in uh, Jewish history, uh, even modern history. I, have, I think I commented on um, Ariel Sharon's book The Warrior during season one. And uh, this one about, about the Holocaust, Anne Frank was a young girl, a Jewish girl. Between the age of 13 and 15, she was in hiding. It reminded me of Corrie ten Boom. So it was very similar situ- situation, similar scenario. Uh, they were in hiding for a couple of years. And um, so it's in her diary. And this is one thing I really liked about the book and why I wanted to read it was because it is a first-person perspective. There's a lot of tertiary sources on the World Wars, uh, tertiary um, literature on the Holocaust and even the modern establishment of the uh, nation of Israel. But to get like a firsthand perspective, that's kind of what I wanted to see. And here it's just, it's a girl's diary. So you have experiences like D-Day and when D-Day happened, you know, they're all excited and she writes about it in her diary. And then all of the problems that they constantly had to endure from a first-person perspective. I mean, going to the bathroom was a big deal and not very comfortable. Uh, Taking baths or showers or any of that kind of thing was very cumbersome. So it was just very interesting to get an idea what hiding was like for a group of Jewish people, there were eight of them, uh, as they were hiding from the police, uh, from the Germans uh, there in Holland. And, uh, and so it was just a fascinating read. I really liked it. It does not have a happy ending. They are eventually turned in. And um, then they're just sent throughout the German uh, the camps and so on and so forth. They all died, all except for uh, one, Anne's father lived. And he was the one that... Spoiler alert. Collected. Well, I want I mean, to I mean, I guess know. if
0: you haven't read it by now
1: it's kind of been around a while
0: just a little bit but still I was in my mind I'm like I could comment because I've read it and I was like I could comment about some things but I don't want to give it away and then right as I'm thinking that you're like they all died <laughs> so okay <laughs> it's
1: a historical story and I'm guessing most people are familiar with Anne Frank but yeah probably hear, if you right. weren't there you go I, I blew it for you so um in case you're wondering yeah it doesn't end well So they have like a little uh, story at the end where they kind of explain it all. That's not her diary, obviously. It just, her diary abruptly ends because they were found out. Um, And so it just kind of even illustrates the sovereignty of God and how God, I think, really used a story like this, this little girl's diary where people were able to see the life of a child, and how that life was snuffed out in this way. And a lot of people were influenced by it. And I think that God even used that in the establishment of the modern state of Israel. Um, So yeah, a really good read. If you haven't read it, I would recommend reading through Anne Frank, The Diary of a Young Girl. I kind of wanted my son to read it, but there are some more sensitive things because she is a young girl. So... excuse me, she's talking about, well, things that young girls go through between the ages of 13 and 15. So just a a little bit of discernment there too.
0: So if you had to put this on the Thinkling's Goodness scale...
1: I'd probably give it a seven. A seven? Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily something that you need to read, but with all the disinformation going on in our culture and uh, people kind of, I don't know, romanticize or even they um, outright deny... Uh, certain facets of history, I think it's really uh, important to read primary source information concerning historical events. And this would be one of them. And for that perspective, I really appreciated it.
0: Sure. I can go next. Um, So I have The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, and uh, I had no idea what this book was about. And all I had as an introduction was Tim saying that it was really weird. <laughs> I can't remember. Did you say that on the podcast a while back?
1: I think so. I think I yeah. reviewed The Great Force and said it was odd and I didn't really understand some of it.
0: Yeah, it, it is. It's very uh, out there.
2: I think I have not read it and I teach a class on Lewis. It's on my books, of uh, like books to read. But every single person that I've, I know who's read it has said the exact same thing you two have said. It's just, it's like out there.
0: And so... Just a very quick synopsis. The main character is in hell, and he gets on a bus with a bunch of people who live in hell, and that bus is going to heaven. And they get up there, and they realize that they, the ghosts from hell, aren't really solid, they're like shadowy, ghosty people, so much so that when they step on the grass, it hurts their feet, and it's it's like they're it's they're not physical in any way, and like they're not a part of this world. But there are these solid spirits that come out of the mountains, out of the mountains of heaven, and there are these dialogues that happen where these solid people, I guess as you'd think, is like people that are in heaven, are trying to convince the ghosts from hell to choose to stay, like, come with me to the mountains. And they don't want to for a lot of different reasons. And, uh, the ideas of like purgatory are thrown around. And so like anyone with a theological background is uh, the, for the moment I read that word, I was like, Oh, okay. But then he kind of qualifies it at the end where he's, you, you spoiled Anne Frank. So I'm going to spoil a great divorce. You, you find out at the end that he was, uh, that he was asleep the whole time. And, uh, he actually has a conversation in the book with George MacDonald, his favorite author. And they have this discussion about is his experience, like the bus and the heaven and hell, is this what it's really like? And he's like, well, who's to say what's really true or not? The real issue is like, would you really not go to heaven? You know, would you really hold on to these things and and not go to heaven? It's like that's the emphasis is put on this choice of the ghost to go to heaven or not.
1: Yeah. And when is that choice, you know, as he applies it at the end, he applies it to the present. Not to the future.
0: He they, they have a discussion about when the decision is, and it's more or like more or less like who's to say that it that it's before or after. It's this there is a decision. Like he 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 qualifies it. He's not trying to make a theological point. But so what I really liked about it is it does make you think, and it there's a lot of worldview in there, like a lot of reasons why people reject the gospel in present life, and he I think articulates them well. People who are really holding on to vain things and because they won't give them up and, and turn to god they they don't stay they go back to the bus to go back to hell and so it's it's really interesting to read through and uh, it kind of it kind of starts kind of slow, but it gets going and once you're up there once they are they've got off the bus they're having all these conversations in heaven it's really interesting and then if you've read any of Lewis's discussions about George McDonald it's really interesting that it seems like every ghosts like solid person is someone from their previous life that come down to the mountains and talk to them specifically so like family members and friends and spouses and things like that and who is Lewis's solid person it's George McDonald, it's this author that he credits with really the beginning of his testimony of like it was in Mcdonald's writings that he started interacting with Christianity, and so you kind of piece that one together that here's this figure, and it's like it's like McDonald came down out of heaven and reached me it's It's a weird like associate, but he it's just always he always exalts Mcdonald, so
1: yeah, I'd like to get some feedback on somebody if you've like if you're really familiar with the great divorce because. What happened in Lewis's life? Who was it that was his spiritual father in real life? It was McDonald. Okay, so it's almost like... Fantasties. Yeah, it's almost like he's combining his personal testimony with this ephemeral, um, ghostly, make-believe world. It's
0: To use the word, it's very meta. Like he's, he's describing that you're reading a story that he's writing about a guy that's kind of like him. And it's like, not to just do this, but it's like the space trilogy books where it's like it, like at the end of those volumes, he like, and I wasn't supposed to tell people who it was because you can just go figure it out. It's like almost like he's saying it did happen, but we know it didn't really happen.
2: That's interesting because it reminds me of some of the stuff he says in Surprised by Joy, obviously. And I, I wasn't thinking it was the, you know, Space Trilogy and Abolition, but I, I'm curious about the connections. I mean, you just see the guy in all his writing, I'm sure. So,
0: Well, and something that we will eventually talk about on the podcast, there's a fascination with shadows in Lewis's books. And what are they? They're shadow people who don't have any substance, and then there's this bright, ghosty shadow guy that comes down out of the mountains. It, he, he references things like this in other books. Is what, we'll let we'll
2: Charlie talk about that one in the future.
0: But not <laughs> right now, because we, we have a lot to get to. So.
2: so if you had to put that on the goodness scale, what where, where would it be?
0: That's a tough, okay. Um, you weren't ready for that. <laughs> I'll help you out. I'll put it at a five. Okay, th- uh, thank you for saying that, because I was going to say like maybe six, because what, what's the voice in the back of my mind is where would it rank among other Lewis writings? And then by its level there, where would you put it on the scale? And so I, I think a five or a six would be pretty appropriate.
2: Okay. Well, I won't have any ranking on my book cause I'm just starting it and I won't have any spoilers because I'm just starting my book. So listener,
0: unless one of us have read it in uh, which
2: case, well, okay. Watch it. No spoiler alerts. <clears throat> okay. The book I'm starting is called The Making of an Atheist, How Immorality Leads to Unbelief. It's by James Spiegel. I think I'm saying that right, Spiegel or Spiegel. And it looks fantastic, I think. I've read the introduction and most of the first chapter, and it's starting off really good, really well. It's it's starting off great. I don't know how you want me to say that. But here's the issue. So in Apologetics, we talk about atheism for a long few weeks because I think that if you're in the West in America, probably secularization and atheism, new atheism are the things that you're going to encounter more so than like a paganism or a, another another religion like Islam or Hinduism. Now, I'm, you will encounter those. And I've actually I had a person debate me on that and they, they strongly say you're gonna, you're gonna encounter those different worldviews and religions. I agree. But at a fundamental level, at our entertainment industry and in our uh, culture, I I think where secularization and atheism is at is going to be much more relevant. So I'm going to step back and try to go faster, but I read a book by two guys. One's an atheist, one is a theist. Randall Rauser is the theist and John Loftus is the atheist. It's called God or Godless. I made it halfway through, and what it is is the atheist answers a question, and then the theist answers the same question. They kind of go back and forth. And so I kind of looked up John Loftus, and I found out he actually went to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He was an apologist who studied under William Lane Craig, uh, and then eventually he walked away from Christianity. And he gave reasons, and so he has this website debunking Christianity, and he's always uh, showing how Christianity uh, is wrong in his opinion. And I remember early on when I was studying apologetics getting nervous and, oh, do I read this stuff and I want to, you know, if I'm not ready for it or whatever. And as I walked, like, down the path of learning more about this, I met a number of people. Well, I met one person who walked away from Christianity and came back and explained why. At the time he was an atheist, he would have said it was because of the evidence for evolution. When he came back, he said, no, I was angry at God. So... That tells me, and I've seen this um, sort of in other situations where you'll see an atheist who's saying it's about the evidence, but they're so angry. You just wonder, is there something else going on? And so his contention in this book is that, and this was so great. So I was reading through it. He said, uh, it says, sorry about that noise there, listener. The psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim his handiwork. That's Psalm 19.1. And that's the general revelation chapter. So if you're going to study general revelation, that that is the information all humans have without having a Bible about God. That's one of the chapters. He then goes on to say, but the Bible also says uh, that the fool says in his heart there is no God. Now that's Psalm 14.1. Now I've heard Psalm 14.1 before. The fool said in his heart there is no God. But I never realized that was only half the verse. The second half says this. Uh, He says, the fool says in the heart, there is no God. Why? Because, and then he quotes the second half of the verse, they are corrupt, their deeds are vile. So his argument in this book is going to be that the actual root source of atheism isn't evidence to the contrary of Christianity, but it's actually walking in sin that leads you to the path of unbelief. So I'm really fascinated by this. I'm very interested in it. I have not made it all the way through, so I can't give it a goodness rating. But theologically, that sounds pretty sound right off the bat. Sin makes you stupid.
0: Or you just, you you are inherently stupid and sinful, maybe.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, even if you think of like Romans 1, where it talks about universal knowledge of God, what is it that people do to avoid that knowledge? They press it down. Suppression. Yeah, Yeah. in unrighteousness. So I think the book looks interesting. I'll give you a goodness reading in, I don't know, a while. A couple of days. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Proverbs 2 as
1: well. You have to search for wisdom. You have to go after it. And if you don't... Or if you don't want to, well, God lets you remain stupid.
0: And now to this mystery guest we have sitting across the table. Dun, dun, dun. We'll, we will let you introduce yourself. So you tell us your name, where you're from, what you do, and then jump in with a, with a book for uh, Books in Business.
3: Okay. Well, I'm Jeff Newman, and I'm glad to be here, sort of in awe in the wonderful studio of the Thinklings. <laughs> Yikes! I have no idea why they're laughing. It's completely (laughs) puzzling to me.
1: The dungeon.
2: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm honored to be here, and uh, I binge listened to previous (laughs) episodes uh, while flying various locations in North America during the month of December. And I really have one primary goal in being here today. I want to get the most horrendous and the most eye rolls I can possibly get. So we'll we'll see how that goes. You see
0: this book I have sitting over here? It's the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis. And if if all you do is talk about that, you will get many, many Philistine eye rolls.
3: (laughs) Uh, There are other goals I could have as well, but some goals are best kept to one's self. In working toward my first eye roll... Uh, my book is a book with no business, because you can find this book free in any number of places. Books and business. No business. You're
1: not
0: selling this one.
1: Horrendous. Horrendous.
3: Horrendous. Okay, that's one. Okay. Uh, maybe two eye rolls. We'll see. The book it was written in 1957 by a single female missionary. And the title of the book is Have We No Rights? And the subtitle is A Frank Discussion of the Rights of Missionaries. And it was published by Moody Press. And as you read it, you have to read it in its historical context. Surprise there, right? Uh, 1957, you have to read it in its geographical context, which I'll leave for you to find out on your own. Uh, But uh, it's a very challenging read to help you to think about how do you see your life and how do you see what you own, what you think is your right, what you're willing to surrender, uh, stewardship. I'm not sure the book even uses the word stewardship, uh, but it really helps you think about stewardship responsibilities before the Lord. So even if uh, even if you're not a missionary or that's not a role in life you have, uh, I think reading it could help you to really think uh, about the glory of Christ and how his glory ought to lead uh, other things in our life uh, to pale. And so she talks about the, right, the giving up the right of a standard of living, about the safeguards of good health, about privacy, about normal romance no eye roll there okay uh normal home life and then her last short and it's a short book 100 depending on how it's paginated because mostly it's electronic now 125 130 pages long and her last chapter is he had no rights and she ends the book uh with this uh, a right to myself no but oh i have a right to christ all that he takes i will give All that he gives will I take, he my only right, he the one right before which all other rights fade into nothingness. I have full right to him, oh may he have full right to me. And reading the book really challenged me and humbled me and encouraged me.
1: That's really interesting. Who recommended it to you or how did you stumble
3: across, I mean this is a really old book, 60 plus years old, do you remember? Wait, yeah, what, yeah. It, it actually, it actually showed up on a list of recommended reading of probably fifty, hundred books uh, in a candidate class at Baptist missions as a book to read and to think and to consider and to discuss and to talk about.
1: It's just um, that's like a huge issue. With I could see missionaries, but even just with Americans today, as we think through. Uh, the pleasures and comforts that we have in our society and our culture. That's a really interesting book. I kind of like that. The only problem with that book is that I can't buy it. <laughs> I can't sell it. Actually, it is available as a paperback and go. a hardcover. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. but it's okay. just those really expensive reprints. It's like uh, 10 bucks. Yes.
0: Yeah. So we, we do need to ask okay, we have this thing. You said you binge, watch, binge listened, watch. Well, maybe someday you can watch this podcast. But, it would be
3: better. Listen to rather yeah, than watch. Yes. There <laughs> really would be. Having seen what's going on here.
0: Would have to upgrade uh, our studio and ourselves just a little bit uh, to make that appropriate. Uh, Tim, as as normal, it's the winter. We're down in the dungeon. He's got his little blanket covering himself up.
1: We have to turn the furnace off so that you don't hear it.
3: And you didn't warn me about this either, but
1: you are so not
3: complaining considering the book I just talked about. So. <laughs> oh, got us. Can, 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 can I have a second book? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And, and this, one, this one will fit books and business. Uh, and maybe it even flows out into a set of books. So maybe I can redeem myself from a free book to a whole set of things that you could would benefit
2: from. Dr. Little's eyes just got really bright.
0: That's the opposite of the eye roll. So it's like a negative point Uh-oh. but you know <laughs> <laughs>
2: there, there's
3: a a book written for children called The Moon Is Always Around and I said have you talked about that? Mm-mm. I didn't think so. Not on the yeah. podcast, we haven't,
0: but I I've I'm familiar.
3: Yeah, and um for any of us who have walked with uh, ourselves or walked with adult children through uh, the loss of a baby uh, and trying to explain it to siblings. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful book on that topic, and it, the author ties together the reality that uh, what you see of the moon is not always round, but it is always round. And as a result, then, the goodness of God is always present in all of the different phases Uh, all the different seasons of life. And uh, in reading it, uh, I was challenged and encouraged in my faith. And I think it really helped children to interact with their parents and be able to talk through some really hard things at a time where they're shaping and forming a view of God that has the potential to stick with them their whole life. And that, that particular publisher, New Growth Press, has a series of children's books that are probably like primary junior age target audience on a variety of topics uh, that, you know, you always can find things that you would have done differently, even in something you did yourself, uh, but that I have found really helpful. And one of the benefits of the series is... It has the text and illustrations of the children's books, and then it has helps for parents on how to talk about the themes in the book and go farther with them. So they're they're really uh, they're really good contribution to uh, Christian children's literature. Yeah, we've
1: um, recommended those in the bookstore, and we we usually have them all in stock. Those are some great titles. The moon is always Around is actually a really difficult title to sell. I've had to sell it to people, and the people that are buying it are people that you just want to give it to, because you know what they're going through.
0: So, I can't remember. Did we put? Did we put the first book on the goodness scale? We did. Okay, so you, no, you mentioned to, two titles, yeah. and yeah, that's what we got on the the divergence. We talked about the the binge watching, but it was the binge listening. So the the listening, you've you've heard us with this goodness I've scale. You. I've heard you. Yes. And so. <laughs> Take us take a stab at uh, where would you put these books on that scale?
3: Hey, so here you can edit this part out, okay? Uh, I will I will I'll lobby as the guest for a one to five goodness scale.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> so, why, since you've why, been like talking a, about like this goodness scale, and
3: I mean it seems like you've been bantering the goodness scale for some time here, and so I will I will just. Do a little lobbying for a one to five because you seem to struggle with—is it a six? Is it a seven? And then that's the fun of one, it. One of the one of the <laughs> yeah, that's the fun of it. One of the um, one of the hats of my life has been things with assessment, and one to five scales are a little easier to wrestle with than one to ten scales. Too much stuff gets dropped
1: into the three category in a one to five scale. Oh, though.
0: yeah. Well, okay. Maybe we should do a one to seven. That's a nice compromise.
3: We'll talk about it. <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let you wrestle with it. Uh, you know me, I'm the guy who always comes in and stirs things up. That's, that's my reputation everywhere. I've oh yeah. But anyway, yes. uh, okay. So the first book on a one to 10, um, so and 10 d- is like, read it repeatedly, right?
0: An eight, nine or a 10 is it buy repeatedly. it, read it, read it more than once. Okay. And then it, to be on the scale, it's, it's somewhat good, but like a one, two and three is like, yeah, I enjoyed it, but yeah. maybe not for everyone.
3: Yeah, so I think you've got a seven or eight. I I think you read it the first time, and you might find yourself arguing with it the first time you read it. uh, Partly because some of the ideas are sacrifices that aren't as commonly needed to be made in the 2000s as were in the 1950s. So you you might stumble over that. Uh, But once you've gotten yourself through kind of the arguing with yourself about it, the second read. Uh, I think you can read it and strip that stuff away and say, what's really this author after? So, uh, what did I say? Six, seven, five, eight.
0: <laughs> what's the average of six, seven, five, and eight? It's a seven. Andy?
2: That's math. Okay, I mean, math. Okay. Don't ask me.
0: So then what about the moon is always round? Like throw, oh, throw a number out there yeah. for us.
3: Um, you know, I think, I think Tim said it well, that the person who is going to be most helped with that book. It's going to to be hard to to see him be helped by it. But uh, for the topic, uh, I would say a nine. And and especially, especially, I think one of its benefits is it will give an opportunity for parents to talk about things that you wouldn't know how to bring up or how to talk about or what to say about it. Because whenever you bring it up, it's gonna be hard. Whenever you're gonna bring it up, whenever you bring it up, it's gonna be awkward. And the book provides a metaphor that really helps you to talk about the topic.
0: Okay. So now let's uh this is this is our first guest. So this is just kinda of like uncharted territory. We we have a bunch of questions we wanna ask you. Okay. And you Fire away. We've we've sent these to you, but they still might, you know, have a, a shock value, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> So do you guys have the list pulled up? Okay, so just take a stab, just start going somewhere.
2: Well, so the first thing we want to know is how you got here and why you're a teacher. So right now you teach in the seminary, teach counseling courses, and until recently you were a teacher in the college. You've now moved on to a new ministry. If you want to maybe tell us a little bit about your new ministry that you're working on and then how the Lord moved to get you into maybe both those places.
3: Sounds like you learned to ask questions from somebody I know. Big, broad, long questions. Huh. where would well, that have been? A moment, uh, yeah, just, you know, yeah. You can take a moment. That, that's an older one, Charlie. Your older, your older <laughs> listeners will get that one. I had to, I had to stop that one after the joke became on me. But anyway, oh my goodness! The first no, time I did that, I'll give a horrendous to that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we. Just, guest just said horrendous. That's got to be like a milestone in the program.
0: Yes, that's that's pretty good. But anyway, yeah. Okay. So give us give us the
2: uh, rundown. Wow. It
1: deserved to be a horrendous.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that was a double horrendous. Okay. So uh, and now I'm rethinking my horrendous because to agree with Tim has a certain cost to it. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> um yeah so we're not messing around (laughs) well my goal is to not get invited back (laughs) horrendous (laughs) (laughs) oh my um well you know the the path of my life in many ways is very common to man uh but it follows somewhat an unpredictable path. So I didn't, I didn't set my heart on teaching and set my heart on counseling.
0: I'm so sorry. The rest of the interview with Dr. Newman is only available on next week's episode of the Thinklings podcast. When will that be available? Tuesday morning, next week. Sorry to leave you hanging, but hopefully this entices you to come back next week. Thanks.